This episode is brought to you by Life is a Beach, the upcoming single by Midsize Sedan. Following the smash hit More Dough for the Cooking, our boy is back with another banger sure to rattle your trunk. Click the link and pre-save the track now. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with horror subgenre. Joining me, as always, uh, on another installment of our M. Night Shyamalanathon, it's Mr. Devon Taylor. How you doing, buddy? Ooh, I'm mad I didn't think about Shyamalanathon. That's a good Honest, one. I it's did... a bit late in the month to introduce like a title for this, but I'm, I'm here for it. I had been putting M. Night Mania on the, um, on the episodes while I've uploaded them, but I'm going to change them. I like that better. M Night Shyamalanathon, I appreciate it. Yeah, everybody always makes fun of him for the for the name. I'm not about that. Uh, all about the love uh, of the of the M Night. So Shyamalan is included in the name. But yeah, we're having an M Night Shyamalanathon. We've talked uh, signs last week and uh, Knock at the Cabin before that, and we're moving on to uh, quite a controversial uh, installment, uh, a late installment into his uh, filmography here. So I'm excited to talk about it. Today. Yes, we we did a little switch up on you guys because. Uh, I remember on the Knock at the Cabin episode, we said we were going to do The Visit, and uh, we lied. Ha ha, we shyamalan you. Gotcha, um, uh, what a twist. What a twist, uh, because uh, we're going to talk old, because uh, I put out a tweet that I said, I don't think this is his best film, but it is his most Shyamalan film, and I'm excited to kind of dig into that, and I feel like uh, we are going to have a little bit more to dig into with this one than The Visit. So uh, The Visit, um, maybe in a found footage month, possibly, might pop back up. Yeah, I really like The Visit, but if we're talking Shyamalan and uh, just kind of a, a more substantive conversation, I honestly think I have more to say about Old The Visit. I'm like, it's good. I like it. It's cool to like see him come back to form, but Old is fucking bananas, so I'm excited to talk about it. Me too, and we also had a, another change too, because me and Garrett, we were going to uh, record this like a few days ago, but then we had to reschedule, and in the meantime of that, um, we ended up adding a guest for today's episode. It was just going to be us, um, but we're bringing uh, a friend along to vacation with us to the beach <laughs> that makes you old. So welcome to the show, writer and director Miguel Martinez. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing good. This is a, this is a ton of fun. I'm very excited. You guys offered me a few episodes. And I was like, no, I have to take the old one. I have to talk about old. <laughs> I know. I was so glad that you were uh, super excited about that one because I was like, I was like, I'm not sure where Garrett truly falls on this one. So I was like, I think I'm going to want somebody else in my corner with this one because I love <laughs> this movie. Uh, I think this movie is uh, great. Uh, but before we get into old, uh, what are your uh, general feelings on M. Night Shyamalan in general? I think I, I don't want to say unappreciated genius. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think M. Night has a lot of layers. I think he actually, uh, I think people misinterpret what he's trying to do, which is just kind of like make his own like interesting, fun B-horror movies or like genre movies and then just keep going. And he, he doesn't want people to mess with his visions. And he just kind of does it for fun, I guess. Even like the the Last Airbender, which is like, real, I, I don't like that movie. I've seen it like, once but um he just kind of did it once for his is kids. enough i promise 
he just kind of did it for his kids and like okay uh but i i think he i think he let himself like be bullied by like the industry a little bit and so it's, it's really nice to see his story of him coming back mm-hmm. and like being and then being like oh no th- this is what I'm, i was trying to do the whole time and i'm just gonna do it and he found yeah. the right producers to do it with which is really fun Absolutely. Yeah. We've talked a lot about M. Night's kind of trajectory as a filmmaker and how the audience and Hollywood in a weird way has kind of like changed that course. But I'm glad that M. Night uh, and we've talked about it before and not like, you know, super old age. Uh, speaking of old, M. Night is not like a, a an elderly man by any regard. So I'm really excited to see kind of these upcoming chapters in, in uh, his career now that I really do feel like he's found his niche. He's found the kind of stories that he wants to tell, which are these kind of weird Twilight Zone sort of, you know, 90 minute tight thrillers. Uh, and I really do feel like old falls into that category. Uh, how successful it is or isn't, we're definitely going to decide that today. <laughs> yeah, I, I've noticed uh, in the four movies that we did choose to talk about, and I mean, really in a majority of his movies, all, uh, you know, family is a big theme throughout uh, his career. You know, he is a dad himself. That's the reason he made Last Airbender, not because he was a fan of Avatar, but because his kids were. And like, same in like Lady in the Water, uh, he made that because he wanted to make that as like almost like a bedtime story for his kids, essentially. Uh, so it's like he he's a he's a big time family man, and uh, seeing uh, his thoughts on um, on family in general like kind of shift between these different films and uh, the things that they are exploring within it are very fascinating to me. Uh, so that's been a really fun uh, motif through through his uh, projects uh, so far that we've talked about that I really enjoy. Um, and before we uh, get into um, old for the episode. I uh, want to give uh, Miguel here a chance to uh, shout out. Um, he's working on a short film here that we're uh, trying to get funded. And of course, as a aspiring filmmaker myself, I got to uh, uh, support the independent homies out here. So Miguel, uh, tell the folks about your project. Sure. Uh, we have a proof of concept short film that is uh, that is on Kickstarter right now. It is called Lechuza, L-E-C-H-U-Z-A. It is a, a Latin American folktale. Uh, about this uh, old woman who uh, is cursed, well, kind of curses herself, and she's an owl. So it's like an owl creature woman hybrid thing. It's really scary. Um, I heard about it all my life growing up. Uh, the film is sort of uh, Evil Dead meets Hereditary, and like this really nice family drama that kind of goes bonkers. So uh, we're really excited. Uh, all the casting crew are ready, and so now we're just trying to raise up the, the funds for it. And we are. of the way there, like a third of the way in. So we're like right on target to like be like a photo finish. So uh, we could use as much help as, you know, people can lend us. I really like the sound of it, and I, I checked it, checked out like your images and everything, and uh, it, it's really well put together. And uh, the Kickstarter has some really great perks and stuff if you guys do donate to that. And and I really like uh, what you guys are doing as far as because uh, I feel like that's the way I'm uh, want to get like one of my films made. It's like let me do a, a write it as a short, and then let's see uh, how uh, how big we can like push that after this uh, short is put together. Yeah, and we we found uh, this this great uh, artist who put put together a mask for us because essentially there is no visual representation of this folktale in media. There's like a few movies that it's just it's just this big owl in the movies. I watched them, um, 
but the there's not like an actual representation so we had to like find an artist who like kind of understood it and he he had this uh this sort of mask done when he was in college and i found it on the internet and then i tracked him down and he's uh he's working for fear the walking dead and he's like i can do it after fear the walking dead <laughs> and i was like okay cool yeah whatever this is perfect <laughs> So uh, he's he's up for it, and he like he he's he's been really uh, good to work with on like prices and stuff, and then seeing what we can do and what we can't do, and th that those are the images that we have on the Kickstarter. We have images of the mask that he put together, and it is it's amazing. It's more than I could have ever hoped for. Yeah, it looks it looks really cool, and and, and it's a, definitely you know a creature we uh, haven't really gotten to see on screen. It was a a, a folktale I wasn't familiar with, but uh, you know we love Evil Dead vibes. Uh, we've covered all of that here on the podcast, and more Evil Dead stuff uh, upcoming. And uh, and and we just uh, covered You Won't Be Alone recently as well, so with some more uh, some uh, kind of folky transformation type vibes. So uh, very excited for that. So we're gonna put a link to uh, the Kickstarter in the show notes, guys. And if you are able to uh, help get this funded, that'd be fantastic. Because again, we love supporting independent horror around here. But now let's go ahead and get into the movie for today's episode. <laughs> released July 23rd, 2021. This was written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, based off Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. Uh, here on cinematography, we have Michael Gialakis, who um, did um, the cinematography for two films we've talked about here on the podcast, It Follows and Us, and this is also um, his third collaboration. Uh, this is also his third collaboration with Shyamalan after Splitting Glass. So again, M. Night likes to uh, collaborate with uh, frequent people between his projects and like kind of bring people along. And uh, so uh, Gialakis seems to be uh, his guy for, uh, you know, this most recent phase minus Knock at the Cabin. Uh, the score was done by Trevor Gorekis, and this was edited by Brett M. Reed. Um, at the box office, this made about $90.2 million on an $18 million budget, uh, which Shyamalan did fund himself. Um, he basically, you know, again, to, to get himself out of director jail, he was pretty much, he funded the visit, split, glass, and this one uh, to really get these things made and also to be able to get these made without being bothered. So, um, again, we love uh, Shyamalan for, uh, you know, taking, taking, taking the reins himself on these kind of things. And uh, the, the best part about this film, and again, uh, you know, we've talked about what is the most divisive Shyamalan film. And uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this has exactly a 50% uh, on 337 reviews split straight down the middle. But not only Rotten Tomatoes, uh, you go over to Letterboxd, the voice of the people, have it at a 2.5 out of 5. Again, split right down the middle. Um, so very excited to dig into this. Um, but first off, let's get um, some of our initial thoughts on this most recent rewatch. Uh, if you want to kick us off, Miguel. Sure. Um, so my overall thoughts on old is I remember watching it and it's uh, I rewatched it recently uh, for this. But I remember the first time I watched it, I was going and maybe like 20 minutes in. I was like, oh, this isn't. This isn't uh, like a modern uh, Blumhouse movie. This, this is a creep show. This is creep show. 
this is just creep show and then it, as i was going i was like oh okay this is creep show this is great and i i think people around me weren't, weren't as like didn't have as much fun with it uh but as it was going i was like oh no i get it i get it and i ended up really loving it the first time i saw it i rewatched it this time and i was like oh yeah it's it's still fun it still holds up the pace is really really good um it, it is weird and it takes some weird turns and it takes some weird choices like i guess like character choices and acting choices <laughs> um but i think that's also in line with creep show uh, and I think it, this is going to depend on how much you like those movies, I guess. Uh, but yeah, my, my overall thoughts is I really like it, and, but I think it is like, I understand why people don't like it. And I understand if uh, you went into it with a certain expectation mm-hmm. of like what movie you were going to get based on, based on kind of what movie they sold you. So it's not your fault, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are my general thoughts. Yeah. What about you, Garrett? What'd you get out of this most recent rewatch? Um, I feel like going into this, yeah, this was, we've talked about it before, that uh, M. Night is a filmmaker that it really does thrive on these sort of B-movie ideas and these high-concept films that you can just kind of, you know, share in a couple of sentences. And the idea of these group of tourists go to a beach that immediately makes you older and that, you know, 30 minutes is like several years of your life just sort of withering away. And so seeing these, you know, eclectic characters coming in, onto this beach and, you know, the, the promise of of M. Night really uh, having the, the source material and everything that felt just so into his wheelhouse. I was, couldn't have been more surprised, Devon, if my, <laughs> if I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet, as it were, uh, to see the actual result of this movie. Um, it has some of the biggest faults uh, that M. Night is known for, uh, and also is just this wild swing that first glance uh i i think it's very difficult to distinguish uh what is intentional what's not intentional uh, i think that there's a lot of humor in this movie that i just can't tell even on this rewatch if m night is in on the joke i think what decides this for a lot of people though is this kind of i don't care if he's in on the joke because i'm enjoying this joke regardless uh for myself um i definitely can understand the appeal of that i just don't know if it's necessarily what i would prefer from this movie i think that you can do this silly sort of uh like just bonkers sort of experience here but i think the film is just not constructed uh from a performance level and a script level to a way that i feel is able to do both have this b-movie fun experience but then also have this underlying terror of the fears of growing older and watching your kids growing older and kind of leaving the house and you know that that kind of you know lost love that you had when you were younger with someone i i think that there's some like heavy ideas in the film but i think it's approach to, to a lot of the ideas is kind of underdeveloped uh, but also just so insane just so ridiculous to the degree that i just feel like some of the more dramatic stuff isn't quite as isn't quite as developed as I would prefer, uh, but I got to hand it to him. It's a it's a trip. You can't look away. You know, it really is kind of like in the happening sort of camp of, of Shyamalan to where it's like, I'm not bored, <laughs> but I certainly uh, I, I it's it's hard to tell, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, we we've uh, we talked a lot in the science episode that like I'm not Shyamalan's funny. You know, I think he has a great sense of humor. So, I mean, I think. I do tend to uh, lean into the camp on this one. That I'm like, no, he he knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing in the happening. 
um, you know, to, to, to some sense at least. And, and, uh, I like that Miguel kind of, you know, you threw out creep show and twilight zone vibes. And this definitely does have that perfect, you know, one sentence pitch, uh, that you just like kind of watch play out. And like Miguel also says, like M Night just kind of plays in his own world. Like, yeah, maybe all the, if you want to, uh, go into the science of it all and the time and the aging, like, does it all connect? Does it all make sense? Uh, no. Okay. Like it's not always going to make sense. And he doesn't really care to make it make sense either. As long as whatever he's doing is servicing, you know, these ideas that he wants to explore and these emotions that he wants to put into it. And I remember the first time, um, it was definitely more of just like the fun, like this is so bizarre, uh, like some of the the performances in this are, uh, the, the spectrum is so wide on, uh, you know, various levels of performance and camp in this one. And, uh, and but then on this most re- recent rewatch, uh, again, like, you know, uh, M. Night is, uh, you know, very uh, interested in emotions and people, and I think, you know, when we do think about his films, we think about uh, the ideas that he's exploring, uh, not as much so as uh, him actually uh, trying to uh, explore, you know, some of these human ideas and fears that we have. And uh, uh, and from, you know, uh, was I surprised at some of the stuff I got in this movie? Yeah, for sure. But then also, like, I remember I was just like at, coming out of this, I was like, this is I mean, like when you say the premise of the movie out loud. Uh, he gives you the things that you think you're going to get, you know, and in some of these body horror and it's very ridiculous. And, and I wonder if, you know, I feel like we scrutinize like sci-fi stuff a little bit harder these days. Like if this one came out in like the late seventies or something, I think people would, it, would have thought it was a masterpiece. Uh, and it just because it kind of matches that, uh, energy, maybe a little bit more, uh, don't, don't laugh at me, Garrett, don't a masterpiece. Do- Come on, Devon, a masterpiece. Come I on, said in the seventies, <laughs> because- like this is like Cassavetes or something like no. that. Like, come on. <laughs> no, I don't mean it in that way, but like in the context of like, would people have like kind of looked into picking this apart, you know, as much as, uh, as it, as, as we have like, you know, in 2021, this kind of concept and you know, uh, you know, cri- uh, going looking at it a little bit more critical than I think that something in the seventies that like, kind of has this energy. Uh, you're maybe a uh, uh, lean back a little bit more on. Sure, sure. Yeah, I said the same thing about Quantum Mania. If that came out pre Star Wars, like that, would, people would have loved it. <laughs> man, this is okay. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that at all. Talk about a uh, oh man, yeah. Uh, I, I seem uh, to be uh, uh, on the on the the outskirts of this conversation, especially in regards to Quantum Mania. Christ Almighty! Oh, but, uh, um, yeah, excited to be talking well, about this one. Well, um, he's in on the joke. The guy's name is Midsize Sedan. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite characters uh, names <laughs> in uh, in M Night movie recently, but I think my point on more of like the you're right, Devon. Like uh, he is a, a, a very funny filmmaker, and uh, signs especially uh, like we talked about last week is like an un- that's an underrated element of that movie is how funny it is. But I think that the importance with signs is it's able to do both. It's able to offer that terrifying uh, moments, offer the heart too. Like that's such a strong story of family and losing faith. Uh, So the drama is there too, as well as the humor. So it works in all of those quadrants. This works in like a couple of those. There's a a fun, you know, a few body horror sequences in this, a couple of cool ideas. Uh, But again, the dialogue and a lot of the character work in this and a lot of these bigger ideas for myself 
aren't as developed. And I think that that that's the fun of a lot of M night movies is on a rewatch, you know, seeing how things foreshadow other events that you'll see later in the movie and kind of being able to rewatch it in a different level of appreciation. But I feel like this, it almost discourages looking deeper because I feel like once you really start to kind of like pull on these threads and see where it goes or just ask questions, even it, for me, at least it just kind of starts to unravel. But again, Mm -hmm. I can't help but look away. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it does kind of, have uh two two things um you know that were uh similar to my problems i had in knock at the cabin but that i don't have a problem with here is that uh he tends to one take uh these you know more nihilistic ideas and kind of give them these uh happier endings to agree because again m knight's a he's a general optimist uh when you think about it so it's like uh, he does that and they also kind of tends to over explain his ideas at times as well uh, and again, I think uh, worked out better here than it did at Knock at the Cabin. But um, before uh, we get into some of the subgenres going on in the film, uh, we got to have Miguel Hiss with a 60-second synopsis. And uh, if you guys have not seen the film, this is your time to leave because we will be going spoilers on after this. So, Miguel, are you ready for your 60-second synopsis? I think so. All righty. I got you on the clock here in three, two one go so this movie is about a family goes on that goes on vacation and mingles with these other vacationers and they are lured to this beach sort of unknowingly and this is a beach where you grow old at a rapid rate you cannot escape the beach you are confined to the beach until you die um 30 seconds and after being on the beach for a long time it is do i do i spoil it (laughs) oh yeah oh after being on the beach for a long time it is revealed that it is just an experiment uh on this drug that they were given inside the hotel bada bing I, re- I really That's appreciate the like the kind of lazy river through the plot that, you know because like it is one of those movies it's like these people go to a fucking beach and they get old really quickly mm-hmm. i don't need the 60 seconds there it is right there so like i like that you were doing the william shatner like you know breaks before every sentence so bravo bravo hey sometimes yeah i, I know uh some of us we like to try to get use up that whole 60 seconds but uh it's kind of hard but also easy to like there there's a lot going on in this movie but then there's also not uh like a lot of things happen but the general plot of it is pretty easy to to kind of get into it um so let's talk about some of the subgenres going on here in old because that's what we do here on this podcast um so um you know we do have we've already mentioned some of the body horror elements going on uh, we got some single location thriller stuff going. We got a little sci-fi mystery, and uh, and I, I do love me a vacation gone wrong. Um, but uh, Garrett, what uh, subgenres were sticking out for you here? Um, as yeah, as far as subgenres, I, I think this is his least like 
sort of mingling subgenres as far as like lots of things kind of thrown into the blender. I think it's a pretty straightforward like bottle thriller. You know, the people are just on this island, not really too many places to go. There is some body horror stuff occasionally. Um, I think that some characters experience kind of this aging process a little bit more obviously than other characters, which I'm sure we'll talk about. There's obviously a few memorable sequences, especially, but I think mostly it is just this sort of survivalist mystery, not only trying to uh, survive uh, on this on this island before your your time eventually runs out, but also survive against the other members of this island who some of them have degenerative you know mental disorders that is causing them to lash out in violence. So you're sort of having to watch your back uh, around these other people. But I would say, yeah, as far as influences or even subgenres go, I would say this is maybe one of the least sort of um, varied uh, mm-hmm. uh, with M Nights. I, I think it's mostly just this single location thriller uh with some sci-fi elements not not too many uh but also like most of his films this big mystery at the center of it yeah they they i i do agree with you that maybe not as varied as uh some of the other films uh that he's had or at least uh the subgenres like being as uh, starkly different from one another these ones all kind of uh linked together and uh make sense for for the premise of it uh miguel what uh, subgenre elements were the strongest for you? I mean, well, the whole thing is a sci-fi subgenre, right? Because it's it's a drug. It's a drug that doesn't exist. It's like a science test thing. We just don't know that until the end. Um, I, I think more so, more so, it's not the subgenre that was there, but the subgenre that was missing. I guess that um, M Night movies have this thing that even if it's not name dropped as religion, it's a subgenre of religion, of like a religious horror movie. Like you know, like Signs is that too. But by that I mean like even Unbreakable has this where, like the things that you do in your life matter. Like the little things in your life matter. Like the the things that you think are. Uh, what is it like the things that you think are um holding you back are actually pushing you and making you better a better person because of this like the way the universe works like split has that unbreakable has that it's like it's like this sort of like uh like this destiny leading you to a better life thing and i think that's a part of m night's optimism Mm -hmm. but uh like this movie just doesn't have that at all like they just die (laughs) Like it's so it's so it it was it's a little like I was surprised of how it didn't have that much optimism in it, but um, I think that's why it, it more compared to like if this was like a thirty minute episode, a twenty five minute thing of an anthology, I think it'd be really really better. I think it'd be much mm. better. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's more. I would classify this more as science fiction than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, the I do enjoy the the sci-fi element of it. Like, I do just really like the premise um, of you know, um, and and not and not even me kind of looking at it in a uh, scared of aging thing because I'm not like I, but I also do like joke with people. That I'm like, hey, like you know, like I, I I do like get scared to the point of like you know I don't want to be old to the point to where I like can't take care of myself. So like uh, having that fear like kind of explored and like. Uh, the the loss of like your body autonomy and your body kind of failing you in a way 
um, is definitely scary, and I think the film does explore that, but then um, it does kind of, yeah, uh, take into account, like Miguel said, that, um, it, you know, it's it, looking at these things that, you know, that um, that whether it be a, you know, a physical disease or a, or a, a mental disease or anything like that, um, and, and it's, you know, I, I've seen people uh, criticize the film for its, like, kind of depiction of uh, some of these things, and um, but then also, like, I've also seen it in other films, like, maybe, like, in uh, The Predator, when people are like, oh, like, he, like, you know, kind of, you know, shallowly depicts, like, you know, uh, like, autism to be like, no, it's the superpower that's gonna save the universe, and it came off very hammy and hokey, versus in this, it's like, uh, you know, that these are things that are, you know, obviously scary, but they aren't necessarily bad either. It's like M. Night saying, like, these are just things that, you know, that do affect, that make you who you are and are going to kind of shape the the experiences that you have throughout your life. Um, so uh, there, there definitely is a lot of things that he's exploring in this, and I can see uh, the execution um, not uh, working for a lot of people for maybe that um, some of the humor, whether it's intentional or not, uh, maybe uh, kind of takes away from some of this. Maybe it could have been scarier if it was um, more more horror leaning, because I do think that this has some of um, some of his like most uh, great like kind of horror imagery and sequences um, with some of the body horror elements in this. Um, but then at the same time, like you know, uh, but the 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 humor in it, you know, definitely adds to the the just the experience and the weirdness of it. And uh, but as far as like a single location thriller, I like that he does um, uh, very clearly establish like these are the reasons they can't leave. Um, and you know, they we kind of explore all these different things, whether it be the blackouts, um, you know, kind of figuring out that's the rocks and that's like kind of what's keeping them surrounded in, and uh, and you know, kind of you know, pointing out, like, the things that, like, when you think, like, okay, why don't they try this, but then they, like, kind of be like, well, then this would happen, so um, he does kind of set the rules of this single location thriller uh, really well. I heard a uh, director say recently that, like, with single locations, you have to have a good, good reason to get them there, but then you have to also have a good reason to keep them there, and I feel like he does uh, pull that off here. Yeah, as far as, like, these kind of universal horrors of uh, the fears of getting older i think all of us uh in in the episode today are of you know a, a younger generation uh but i think somebody like Shyamalan, who uh is now in his early 50s uh he's talked about the fear of not just himself getting older but also the fear of his parents and and in loved ones getting older and knowing that you know i don't know the 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 status of his of his relatives and their health conditions but as as far as a lot of people when you start to get into that age a lot of your family members are kind of nearing the end of their road, so to speak. And I, I think that can be a scary thing to see, especially if you are, you know, family members with those who do have these degener uh, degenerative diseases and we're kind of watching them slowly lose that bit of their of themselves. I think that that's totally a natural thing to explore. It's just a shame. It's in such a fucking goofy movie <laughs> as this is, you know, uh, Shyamalan, even in like talking about his, uh, like uh, the the films that inspired him when he was telling the story, uh, according to Shyamalan, uh, the 1971 film Walkabout, 
directed by Nicholas Regg, as well as Picnic at Hanging Rock, directed by Peter Weir, um, were influences of this movie. And I don't know if you guys have seen either of those films, but I don't see like an ounce of the tone of either of those movies in this, which kind of leads me to think that maybe Shyamalan isn't in on the joke, which again, isn't a deal breaker. Some people don't care because they're like, what he delivered, I'm taking it and it's out of his hands now. I don't care if he knew that this movie was ridiculous. It reads bonkers and it reads well as bonkers and a lot of people love it for those reasons. I just think that some of those pretty heavy ideas are just a little, uh, the impact of them is a little lessened because whether it is the tone or the silliness of everything, I think that there's also some just some like crunchy plot stuff or, you know, uh, logical leaps of, you know, certain the rules of the island. I think that's kind of relates to what you were talking about, Devon, as far as like the rules of keeping them here. I'm like, OK, well, if these are the rules, let's, you know, let's dig at them because there's this establishment of like, well, kids eat a lot. So we're going to bring a lot of food. I'm. I'm watching the movie like, yeah, you know who else eats a lot? Fucking people. People eat a lot of food. But we don't see, like, any other characters in this movie, like, really eating at all. It's just the kids who are eating. Uh, They also try to explain some things, but not others. Like, they pay attention to, like, hair and nails. There's, like, a specific line about that. But there's other things in the movie. They're like, ah, don't worry about it. Don't talk about it. It's fine. We're not going to. It doesn't matter, you know, which I think is, again, kind of a shame. It's like, are, are we exploring these deep ideas with this sort of, you know, thrilling uh, psychological uh, perspective here? Or is this a schlocky B movie that also has, you know, glimpses of of depth in it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it is, it's definitely hard to, um, you know, obviously try to have your cake and eat it too. Um, but then I guess it's like, you know, it's kind of, you know, uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, okay, do we uh, go into the sci-fi more to explore like you know more of the rules but then we're not going to kind of get more of the inter uh, inter-character stuff uh, at play which is a little bit more prevalent in the uh, graphic novel like it kind of uh, explores a little bit more of like the interpersonal uh, relationships and like you know because we do see like you know we see some racism in here and, and vanity and uh, things like that and uh, and maybe that is where some of um you know the the writing uh, falls a little short is you know with some of these characters, um I think the Kappa family is kind of written um at least with the most layers and dimension they are you know the uh, lead family of the movie but then um some of the some of the uh, depth with the characters is a, a little lacking from some of the supporters um but then again it's like if but then also like are we gonna lean completely into that and then like you know not have this like kind of strange and bizarre humor in there to like make this not completely like so nihilistic and sluggish to where you're just like kind of watching it through you know with a with a sense of dread and I don't know if like this kind of idea uh would um you know be as uh entertaining if it like kind of had more of that to like if we're gonna do it then like yeah let me go ahead and uh cut a few corners here so that way I can uh we can like just like kind of have some of these uh fun little set pieces and things like that but then also let him still kind of have his um exploration of, of of family and uh things like that and getting older yeah i don't think m night or the graphic novel is at all interested in like the the science of it i think they just kind of want they just kind of want to tell you things that are happening and then have fun and then have uh like like inter- interpersonal conflict but the, the the issue with that 
is that that is fine. Like there are tons of movies that are, that are like they don't care about the logistical the the logic of it. But you can't contradict yourself. And then so there's a lot of times this movie where it's like, oh, his like facial hair and nails can't grow because they're dead. And then like five minutes later, like the kid grows up and he grows facial hair. <laughs> and I am very upset <laughs> because because it's like I, I'm 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 with you. I don't care about like if you tell me they can't leave the cave, it's fine. They can't leave the cave. Uh, but if if you like contradict yourself like that, then I start asking like, okay, what what happened? What it was it the did the, the drug not work properly? Like what what is uh, I, then just don't set up the rule. Take out the line. Yeah, I think that's my biggest thing is like normally I don't care. Normally like the 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 rules and the the logistics of everything, if it's not the point, then it doesn't matter. It's just kind of, you know, dressing for me. But I think with this film the reason I might be a bit more tough on it is because I think the rules are really important. Like again, like Devon had mentioned, if these rules are is what keeping these people here and the rules of this aging process I want it to apply to everybody and that sense of suspense and conflict, knowing the, the, the difficulties that lie ahead for these characters, I think adds to the experience and then not having it, I think really does subtract. And if not subtract, then it's just kind of like wasted potential. Like you could explore these other ideas, you know, with, with all of these characters rather than just a few of them. Devon had mentioned that there's themes of like race in the movie and uh, uh, in the truest sense of the word, uh, I don't know if, if Shyamalan is trying to make a commentary on race in regards to the fact that the black characters in this movie don't fucking age. They look the same. Like <laughs> the characters, I don't know if is, is Shyamalan's like, you know, black don't crack sort of joke. No, I don't did. fucking he, know. He even had a okay. Line in okay. There. Thank no, you. Okay. There, there was a line. He go, uh, there was a line where uh, mid side where they are talking about like the no, uh, notices and differences in other people. And then mid size sedan looks at uh, the other lady and goes, he goes, this is the one time they wish they were black. And she goes, mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> okay. so, so, so yes, he literally is exaggerating uh, black don't crack, but he's not exploring. Yeah, he's not, uh, you know, looking to uh, explore uh, it, it. You know, it, he's not exploring the inter um, relationships as deep as he could, because, again, like it is like because like this, you have the, the older, um, you know, heart surgeon guy that um, as his, um, you know, his brain is deteriorating. He's kind of shown his uh, true colors and like uh, the way that he, uh, you know, dismisses uh, midsize sedan starts accusing him of things and assuming that he uh you know killed the other girl and and then he is also um uh very like dismissive and uh uh talks down to Jaren as well one of the uh one of the uh Asian characters uh so it's like yeah there things are there but then um I don't think he's maybe not making a comment on it it's just kind of um you know like showing you know or at least maybe that's just like him um uh, obliging the 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 stuff in the novel but because i think what he is most um you know concerned with is uh the kappa's family with like what they're exploring as far as like you know a appreciating the time that they have together as far as like you know the whole reason they're on a vacation is because you know they're about to get divorced but they want to kind of give uh these uh memories and moments to their kids because again like these are little things that like matter uh, to you uh, as far as like when you're growing up and like getting older and stuff so uh, he's kind of a little bit more concerned with uh, the more sentimental stuff than uh, some of the more 
uh, you know, social commentary that he could be going into. And I think um, I had imagined the graphic novel kind of leans a little bit more into that. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of just a big metaphor. And like when you have metaphors that paint in such broad strokes, it's difficult to do any kind of like subtlety, which is where all these things would come in. Uh, and like, like I, I think it would have still been possible. Um, it just, it seemed like that's just not what he was interested in doing. And I think it might've been more effective that way, but I don't know. It's, it's always interesting to see because and M Night is always really interesting to see what way he's going to go. Is he going to go as broad as possible or is he going to take some, some subtlety with it? Is he going to just go straight? Like, is he going to name a character mid-sized sedan? I don't know anymore. I haven't seen Knock at the Cabot, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to pose the questions to like to to you guys because we've we've talked about like the things that he isn't doing in this, and I I do want to focus on the stuff that he actually does do in this rather than like what this movie could be. Let's talk about what it is. What do you guys think? Like M Night is trying to do. We talk about we've talked about like this Twilight Zone B movie sort of thing. Is that it, you know, or is it just that sort of lens looking through these themes of, of getting older and that's it? Or like, what are the things that you feel like when M. Night is swinging, what do you think he's swinging for? That is a very good question, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, intention versus expectation is always a hot topic for M. Night. And, and for me, I think he is um, doing, I think he's one he, uh, you know, kind of maybe heard of the, you know, read the the original graphic novel and goes, you know, this this premise of like, oh, like, like, I think this is like partly uh, the equivalent to like when you're like sitting around with like your friends and just somebody asks a random question. And this is like, hey, so what if uh, if you aged every 30 years, then what? And it's like, well, maybe this or maybe that. So it's like kind of um, I, I think he is just like maybe I think he is generally just like kind of trying to have a little fun with the with this premise and like it like oh like if you uh you know break a bone uh, what how how would that uh what would that look like here on this beach you know and he kind of uh and that's kind of fuels like the 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 big horror set pieces in this so i think as far as like uh the the horror angles that he's like trying to explore of like you know like hey like you know the you you don't realize uh, these various things that uh, processes that are going on in your body until they are happening very fast and then like and you kind of have to uh, you know you uh, don't have the the time to like kind of really take it in and but then like whenever you're not noticing these things um, you know then you're kind of you're you're not looking at like, what's currently going on and and he tries to explore explore that a little bit with a uh, guy and Prisca like having like guy you look too much into the future and are making decisions for the future and oh but Prisca you look too much in the past and you live in the past you know so um, he is trying to tie in some of these um, you know um, fears of uh, you know the time and but not just like the physical of your time but like you know emotionally uh how time kind of affects you so i think that is maybe the general of what he's swinging for maybe (laughs) yeah and he swings at it he does these really big swings at it so uh it's mostly like and and mostly these these like creep show like b movie things they do have like social commentary in them and they do have these things in them i think he just wants to do that but um 
leveled up. He wants to do that modern. But uh, yeah, and and I don't think he's I don't think he's putting as much thought as some people would want him to. Yeah, I, I think that M. Night is kind of taking, uh, and we can talk about some of the book differences, I think another episode of, of Spectre Cinema Club to where, hey, we're doing a book adaptation. Nobody's read it on the episode. We'll, we'll get one eventually. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think that judging on the, the differences in the book uh, versus the, the adaptation, I think he is taking more of a kind of a glass, glass half folk sort of approach here. Like he really seems to, even those who put these people on this island are doing so out of like seemingly good intentions. They're trying to create medicine to help people. And I feel like M. Night is, no pun intended, just sort of treading water of like, We'll put these people in this day, in this situation. What's all the crazy shit that could happen to them? Because in the span of like 15, 20 minutes of this movie, it's like back to back to back to where it's like this woman got fucking pregnant. She was a kid like 30 minutes ago. This one's got a tumor and it's grown to the size of a football. Like it's literally back to back to back to where we see all these crazy things happening. And it really does just feel like he is just asking this question of like, okay, well, if you were going to be in the situation physiologically, what would happen? So we see a lot of those things play out. Uh, and you bet that M Knight has to explain every mm -hmm. single one of them because every character in this movie has like a very convenient job <laughs> and they all state the name of their job. And the reason that they know the information that they know is because of their job. There's like so many scenes in this movie where a character goes, Oh, well, I work at a museum and I would know that that body would deteriorate at this rate. That's been that's 60 years of it deteriorating. I know that because I work in a museum. Did I mention I work in a museum? Like there's every character has a couple scenes of those. There's characters that are doctors and they mention, well, I'm a doctor so I can help. It's just like every character has to state their name, state their job and why they know what they know. All just to explain whatever weird phenomenon M night just wants to explore in whatever given scene. Yeah. It kind of gives, uh, it gives, uh, vibes of a uh, cube a little bit because like, uh, that, that's kind of part of it is like, they're trying to navigate through the structure and escape and, and, uh, they all have like, uh, you know, uh, something that like kind of comes up, but like, uh, maybe yeah, not delivered as plainly as uh, some of the dialogue in this. But again, I don't know. It just it it like it made me laugh, even if it is like not the best. Uh, this I think is some of uh, his weaker dialogue. Um, and you know we kind of spoke last week about like uh, M Night characters kind of speak their own language, and this is maybe the most heightened version of that, uh, for sure. Um, and then again, like yeah, but the so. And you said it earlier too, Garrett, like this has, you know, uh, you know, a lot of M Knight's kind of biggest faults, you know, here. And again, like, I don't know, I, this movie is a mess. It is, it truly is, but it's a hot mess for me, at least in the fact that like, I don't know all these, it, it, it's like a weird flavor of ice cream that you just got all these things thrown in. And like, for some reason, uh, when you, when you put all, when you, put them together it something about it works like even the messiness of it because again like i like that 
um, like you said, like he, he does line up like all these set pieces like back to back to back. And it's just like because he, you know, you don't really know what he's going to do. Like he M. Night is the definition of like, you know, never let him know your next move because he'll like kind of have this like breakneck pace for a minute. And then we'll kind of have like a lot of time uh, to like kind of explore, like, you know, to give these characters like a minute to like kind of register like all these kind of crazy things that are happening uh so it's like even the pacing being wonky which is something that like i'm kind of a stickler for in a lot of films uh even like the off-kilter pacing somehow just adds to this like i don't know weird uh i i know i said 70s early in the movie but i don't know maybe this is more of a 90s movie it kind of has that just like weird 90s energy maybe <laughs> remember the part where that baby dies because <laughs> they didn't pay attention to it for three seconds that was fucking weird. <laughs> the way that they said it, it was like, it, and the the way that they knew that immediately, uh, exactly, it, it was like they, they they didn't have to deduce like, wait, why did the baby die? It was like, oh yeah, because of this. And uh, but that pregnancy scene, uh, wild. It, the pregnancy scene is wild because I think again, this is classic M Night of like mixture mixing in these like horror elements. But then this is again where I know that he is in on the joke um on on certain things so it's like while all this is happening you know these kids they are like you know uh they're teens at this point and they are you know they they uh are gone away from the um away from the parents and then she comes out she's pregnant they kind of do the math on like how long it's going to take for the pregnancy to go through and like when the baby's coming they don't just do the math. <laughs> Brendan says, uh, if she came into the ER, I would know that she's about eight, eight months pregnant. I would guess in about 15 minutes, she's going to give birth to the baby. Like, <laughs> Don't forget so, that. So, so it's like we have the over explanation. We have this horror, horrific imagery of this like pregnancy, like happening so fast. And like the way that the stomach is like uh, moving and developing in a way. And then, you know, this baby's coming. Meanwhile, you you have this horror, horrific body horror situation going on, but then you also have Guy trying to explain to Trent sex and how babies are born in yeah. the background. So he's like trying to have this like quick coming of age moment uh, to be like, okay, uh, yeah. So what you just did is how babies are born, and uh, Trent has what I think my favorite line uh, in this movie, where he goes, he goes what i thought you had to do that like 10 times uh which is just uh wouldn't that be great if that's how pregnancy works like no no 10, ten times you got it, like so you so you got some wiggle room here there um, yeah the, the 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 where that scene and this whole moment like there's like i had mentioned just a string of craziness that pregnancy scene is you know uh after the the stomach tumor surgery which is nuts in its own way the science oh. obviously doesn't totally work out at all this woman's able to have her stomach open for multiple years and that doesn't cause health problems oh yeah right it would have been infected that, and 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. and then after that charles fucking stabs brandon to death it's just one after another and i think that that is where the movie succeeds and it becomes very fun to watch in the way that again, like the happening is. Uh, but if you're again, looking for these like thoughtful meditations on getting older and parenthood and stuff, I don't know <laughs> if this is necessarily the time. So I think that that's when the movie really lands for me is I'm like, what is going on? This is nuts. The, the moments where you have time to really think about it a little too hard is kind of where it falls off for me. Yeah. I, I don't think Russ kills people like that. No, oh, and the way that she's 
that's the worst like line reading in the movie is where she goes she goes it's rust it acts like a poison (laughs) yeah uh, i i I really don't think that's how it works yeah vicky (laughs) uh the actress name is uh vicky creeps uh or or cripes or creps uh i believe she's french so i don't know if it's like the pancake uh but she's very talented loved her in phantom thread uh and some other things uh and really liked her in corsage which came out this past year but I I don't know if it's the script or not, but she is like Tommy Wiseau in this movie. (laughs) Like (laughs) you put him into this movie and he slips right in fits like a glove. Her performance in this, even from like her first line where her daughter is singing and she's like, you sound so great. I can't wait to hear you when you get older. Like the reading of that that? is so weird. It's so weird, man. Like (laughs) this movie is fucking crazy. But then you also, but then you have people like mid-sized sedan. I could listen to him say damn on repeat like, (laughs) like a million times. Just the way he goes, Uh, oh, damn is so great. Uh, So it's like, yeah, certain people, uh, again, it's like, it almost feels like he like gave care, like actors different directions whenever they're like, you know, doing these scenes like, okay, but I want you to read this as if you are an alien that just learned this information now and i want you to read this uh because like sometimes in, in the same scenes those will like clash and uh and yeah so it 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 makes for just a very just bizarre tone that again i don't know it works for me because it just like it makes me <laughs> cackle like uh, a lot this movie like a lot of times i'm just like kind of cackling at some of the things that are happening um when when you saw that there was a person watching them did you automatically think oh that's m night i don't know like that was my first reaction he has the cameo early on where he's like the the hotel shuttle driver and i I thought that might have been it but there is a really cool like alfred hitchcock style like rear window style like shot with the the binoculars and everything like it's it's shot really well like m night's movies like they're incredibly well directed but a lot of like the dialogue and stuff in it it's like sci-fi movie not the genre i mean like the channel you know <laughs> level stuff going on to this and you know makes for a pretty fun result i'm looking at a lot of like the quotes of this movie uh uh we've got jaron who says that. the dog has died charles replies he was only just alive <laughs> you've got Prisha uh, saying there's something wrong with this beach it's just like oh my god it's 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 the most Shyamalan like in the truest sense of the word I, I mean in in you know and again it's like your people's humor varies because again I think even when it comes to like some of some of the humor I think is like kind of dark in this like I've seen people were like kind of critical of uh the the uh, older character who is like kind of having like dementia but then also it's mentioned they have schizophrenia and um, I don't think M. Night was looking to, you know, uh, have make a thoughtful depiction of it. And is that, you know, uh, exploitative to kind of have it in these in service of uh, the stories telling, um, you know, I, I think the ending later, the, the kind of, you know, weird, uh, you know, like, you know, thing that he's kind of going for maybe kind of helps uh, in a way. But then at the same time. Uh, it did make for one of the funnier recurring bits of this where uh, he it will be like kind of doing something and he is fixated on this uh, uh, Jack Nicholson uh, movie that he's trying to remember and like right. and he and throws it in and like again like during that like sur- uh, tumor surgery scene 
uh, throws it in there again while you're like having this like really like horrific moment and then he's just like throws in this like uh you know this uh recurring uh thing that he's putting in so it, you know he's not always again like trying to be i don't think in this he, uh the the primary focus is making you know kind of big statements on uh certain things or being as accurate as possible for a lot of things uh, it is kind of like no, I'm gonna have just like some some fun with this, and like and, and it's yeah. kind of you know, and it's funny and like a kind of dark humorous way. Yeah, and Miguel hasn't seen the film yet, so I won't spoil it. But like, knock at the cabin, I think M Night kind of does the same thing to where he like accidentally steps into a territory of like talking about religion and how re- religion and and you know homosexuality like intersect, and I don't. I don't think that M Knight is like really trying to offer this incredibly like, you know, deep commentary on how these two things interact. And I, in fact, I think that there are some lines in the movie to where he's like, not talking about it and just kind of sidesteps <laughs> it, you know, like he kind of get a little get out of jail free card of like, I don't want to talk about it. Let's, let's focus on the kind of the, the fun, uh, thrilling vibes of this movie and less those important topics. So yeah, I, I think the, it's understandable how some people could feel like the schizophrenia dimension angle of this movie is maybe in poor taste. Totally understand that. I think it's really just M night trying to be practical as a screenwriter and go, we need to have another threat that is, you know, in putting these characters in imminent danger other than just, you know, a, a beach being older. So what better way to have that than some, you know, a maniac is out there with them. I, I don't think that M night is, is trying to be uh, offensive or trying to stigmatize mental illness. I think at worst he does it on accident. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would agree a hundred percent on that. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, and you had mentioned um, the uh, some of the uh, you know slick directing that we do have going on here because you know as we want to kind of get into some more of the positives uh, on this one like you definitely can't deny that he directs the hell out of this movie with uh, some of the uh, I I really like the recurring uh, like uh, three sixty like kind of slow pan that he would do mm-hmm. and like it's you know kind of getting. Uh, reactions from everybody and it's like sometimes like you know you're still hearing what's going on like from you know here but like we still got like the cameras like kind of keeps on moving and uh, gives this a very disorienting effect that uh, I was a big fan of yeah I actually think some of the deliveries are like extreme positives of the movie Mm -hmm. because I feel like everyone (laughs) knew what movie they were in I don't think there was someone who was confused about what movie they're in there's not someone who tried to like play it like I don't know. I, I, it it feels like it was all very very hilarious on purpose. I feel like they're all in on it, but again, like <laughs> I feel like they are all in on it, but they again were getting like different directions at different times. Yeah, it was like okay, and then now I like like you explained. Now say it as if you're an alien who yeah. has just discovered this language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like as always just does a terrific job behind the camera this is also like the the first movie that he had done in a while that was shot on film which i think really comes through i think a lot of the cinematography in this looks uh, really great there's uh some also fun uh, digital and practical effects too i think the makeup work uh, looks pretty good throughout it i think those body horror sequences in particular are really effective the some of them are a little bit more memorable than others like that cave sequence with the broken bones and everything thing is still like super gross <laughs> really gross just yeah so so good and uh, a really 
like if we're talking about M night taking those ideas of like, okay, well, if you're on this beach and, and this is how your body would react, I think that that is taken to like its most logical conclusion in a really thrilling and scary and gross way, but also having this like kind of twisted sense of humor to it. Uh, so yeah, M night, no notes directorially as far as like the way the film uh, looks visually, uh, some of the performances, I will agree. Everyone is unified. Like everyone, <laughs> there's no one in this movie who I feel like is like, you know, doing Shakespeare here. Uh, so I will give uh, M night that bit of credit too. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that cave scene is fantastic. Uh, I wish Abby Lee was utilized in this movie more. Cause I love Abby Lee and, and she's, you know, she's worked with uh Nicholas winding Refn who, uh, kind of has uh, some similar uh, vibes in his dialogue at times. So, you know, she was definitely dialed in on it, but that's, uh, you know, they, I love that they, you know, set her up with having this uh, calcium deficiency. And uh, we like see her like kind of slowly throughout, like develops this like hunchback as she like gets older. And then, uh, yeah, she's like keeps breaking her bones and then they're healing too fast. And then it's just like her arms are just in like so many angles. It is absolutely disgusting how much like pain she endures before she like finally dies is like fucking awful like that is uh i think maybe one of the scariest scenes that m night has done out of any of his films for me and um and the sound design also uh is used in uh, some pretty fun ways as well the way that um you know we see that uh um Prisca is losing her hearing so like whenever we get to some of her like POV we're experiencing that and then we're also like kind of getting the the ringing that uh whenever they're like about to black out you know whenever they're like trying to escape so uh there's some fun sound design stuff going on here as well yeah I I I think that if you're going to have a movie in a single location you definitely have to get creative with your set pieces uh and also you know, like you had talked about, what's keeping them there? How are you going to show that visually rather than just, you know, somebody cuts to black and uh, say what you will about the coral reef? Uh, I think it's <laughs> something else. But uh, yeah, I think M. Night does uh, has a lot of fun with these uh, these characters on this location and these different personalities and, and diseases as well of, of how would those uh, play out if if you're taking this to its, again, kind of logical conclusion. Yeah, so and and as we're like kind of talking about um you know uh the the things that he is um uh, exploring with this concept uh so in the in the graphic novel uh the none of the pharmaceutical stuff is in there. Like that is all him in the in the graphic novel. Uh it just like has an even more bleak and nihilistic ending to it. Um so like this is all kind of him and like again this is uh, people uh, saw this and they go, oh, so this is the big twist. Um, again, um, would, I wouldn't classify this as a twist necessarily because like the way that it all kind of links together, I'm like, yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. And like when you like go back, you do see like the cocktails that they're being served and and uh, and uh, and it kind of uh, makes sense of, uh, you know, of course, like, you know, a big corporation is going to like exploit this um you know thing in this uh natural phenomenon and like to see what they can like kind of reap from it and um it, it's him kind of uh his take on the you know kill a few to save save a bunch um so what do you guys think about this uh this uh finale with the the reveal of this film i think the graphic novel finale worked a little better just thematically um but I can't think of a better ending. If you're gonna do, if you, if Shyamalan wanted to do something, I couldn't really think of a better way to add something to this. I, I like that it 
it does this it does have a little bit of an optimistic twist of like oh they died for a reason uh but it's still like hopelessly sort of like nihilistic to me Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's still terrifying because it's like well the kids they they weren't exploring any uh diseases that the like kids had or anything like the kids literally were just no you're gonna die along with your parents because we want to study the thing (laughs) that your parents have um is kind of think about that is, is so it's still fucked up like it definitely is like scary but it is like yeah and it does make you tilt your head for a second you go Oh, I mean, like, you know, the the idea of uh, testing, using this beach and, like, them not truly understanding it, but they're like, oh, well, the the, the rock, you know, like, I love how Jaren was exactly correct on his um, explanation of what was happening. Like, he had no context, and he was literally spot on about the rocks, what it's doing to their cells, everything. So I I think that's kind of hilarious that, like, in the middle of the movie, it was, like, kind of explained out that way. Um, but then, yeah, the the idea to like, you know, it, in theory is a like interesting idea to be like, oh, yeah, we can test these, you know, medicines a lot faster and get, you know, cures for things faster. But, uh, yeah, you should also get consent forms from those people to do that. That's what clinical trials are for. But of course, like who is going to sign up for that? So uh, definitely I, I think it worked. And I remember that when the first time I watched it, like it surprised me. I'll give it that. I was like, I was like, huh. I was like, that's I didn't think about that. But that's pretty fucking crazy and scary. But it does still have his um half uh glass half full view. Yeah, shout out to Shyamalan for taking it to big pharma. Uh, <laughs> I I think it's it's a, an interesting twist. Uh, I think that there is still some ambiguity as far as the phenomenon, like its utility, is explained, but the phenom the phenomenon itself is not explained. It's just like I don't know. It's a beach, like, and it makes you old. Uh, something to do with rocks, I guess. Uh, I think the 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 coral uh, reef that is like hinted at by the the child at the beginning doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, how the kid knows that that's able to help out people, I don't really understand him and his weird zodiac note. Um, <laughs> Uh, for me, it's 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 fine. Uh, I think that you know, hearing of the distant of the differences with the book, it is a little bit more nihilistic. Uh, I I think it's got that classic sort of, you know, heart sinking sci fi sort of ending. Where with this, it's not quite like happily ever after. I don't think either of these two people are gonna have like super. Oh, great lives after this like what (laughs) their lives suck they are old man like baby children exactly yeah (laughs) yeah uh and now i'm just wondering it like is the the sequel to this you ever see the robin williams movie jack is it going to be like that where now they have to go to like junior high but they're in their (laughs) mid 40s you know uh do they like do they just continue their lives like normal now uh i have no idea it's going to be like big either if you want to go to another Mm -hmm. uh comedy uh but yeah, I, I think the the big pharma stuff is fine. Uh, I think it's it's pretty interesting. Doesn't over explain too much. Um, I think my bigger issue is more of the coral reef thing. I think it's one a little silly and two not explained well enough to where I'm like, uh, I I don't rewatch the movie and 
I'm able to find details that lead to that. It's just sort of this other piece of information well, that's I mean, revealed. It's like, I mean, it, it, it's as much as they explain the rocks. Like, it's like, oh, well, the rocks have some sort of uh, effect on your cells. The the coral reef has something in it that shields the effect from yeah. the rocks. Like, it's yeah. just the, 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 the logic is uh, if it's going to be flimsy, at least it's consistently flimsy. Totally, because uh, he, yeah, because yeah, he he isn't looking too much into it. Um, and I mean, I think uh, in the note, like, yeah, Idlib couldn't have been uh, any more vague. As, but but again, like, he is a kid. Like, he he doesn't truly know what's going on. He's just like, oh, like my I've noticed that like these are uh you know little six year old observations and um and uh the note you know remembering they had the note that literally comes out of nowhere like he just like kind of remembers this note randomly and there's like oh yeah let's go ahead and decode it it was uh, uh but I, I will say that 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 um that moment does come after i think a, a fairly wholesome scene of uh the the two siblings uh uh, in a way for a moment like accepting their fate and it kind of sucks and they're just like oh well you know what let's go ahead and uh, build a sand castle even though they know that like the time it's gonna take to make those sand castles is still taking off more and more years but at that point they're kind of like well we've already had this many years and uh kind of gives them this weird um you know kind of uh perception because that uh that is kind of one thing that is a little off is uh, the fact that they, you know, th- it's supposed to be just physical changes and their brains uh, still shouldn't be. But to a degree, like when, you know, you are growing older, like your brain psychology does change. So um, there is still like a, a little uh, uh, interesting examination to these, you know, the the way that they are still maturing through this in a way. Um, having like kind of an expedited coming of age a little bit, but, um, you know, just with not as many specific uh things to like kind of round them out but but i think um but but for some uh that that little moment did uh kind of work for me and uh e- even though it's maybe not the uh deepest uh that he uh was like trying to go for i think uh it being kind of a, a little bit more simple emotional uh exploration in that moment really worked and maybe um he could have s- kept it a little bit more simple the rest of the film as well but uh, for me that moment actually really worked before that uh Mm -hmm. reveal yeah i i think the the film certainly finds its heart towards the end of the movie and 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 really does have those those quieter moments to where the the outlandish dialogue and the overacting and all that kind of stuff sort of uh withers away and i think you're able to have these nice character moments Mm -hmm. for sure yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, get into our final thoughts here. We'll give it a rating out of five sandcastles. Miguel, what are your final thoughts on old? Um, I think it works in uh, its own level. That that it's if it asks you to meet it, it at its level, and it works for that. Um, so I think I'd give it like a a bumped up like three and a half out of five sandcastles. It's fair. Respectable. Nice, nice. Uh, this one uh, went up a smidge for me uh, on this rewatch because, again, I kind of do favor um, uh, M. Night uh, in his kind of sillier, uh, more bonkers uh, territory. Um, and and if I get, like, you know, some some nice little emotion out of it, then, like, cool. And I, I did. Like, I honestly um, did um, kind of, uh, whenever it was, like, kind of taking notes, like, because I already was excited for, like, the, the bizarre, fun experience of it. Uh, so I think on this time around, I kind of did let the the um, 
some more of the humanity uh, kind of come out for me a little bit. Um, but I think this is uh, some of uh, some of his best direction. Uh, it's very slick. Um, it looks really well, and it uh, definitely does uh, kind of show like you know like because th this is him. Um, after you know a, a good decade and a half of directing, he's done all these different kind of films and. And even though it is a contained film, he's like, you know, I still, I still got the chops and I've done these like, you know, kind of really big things as well. And he like kind of brings those uh, through in a smaller film. And, uh, and I think this does have some of, uh, it has some of his most uh, great horror imagery uh, in it for me as, uh, as far as some of the body horror goes. But that also does have some of the most ridiculous line readings uh, out of any of his films. Um, and it, this is just, and then, with everything that he kind of dumps on you in the end, I think uh, this is M. Night Shyamalaning uh, harder than he ever has. Uh, and whether or not that means this is your favorite, um, that that is up to you on your M. Night scale. But uh, I'm giving this one a four out of five sandcastles. Oh, Christ on a stick. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of sandcastles. For me, when I first watched it, uh, I was at a, a one and a half out of five sandcastles. Uh, I don't think I was nearly prepared for the meal that M. Night was delivering. On this round, I was able to have more fun with it. I think that my enjoyment of the film went up in some regards, as fun as like that tongue like firmly planted into your cheek and just enjoying the sort of crazy ride. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to really like lean much else from the movie. You know, I don't think that this is a film that rewards rewatches from like, you know, a character or a thematic level. I think it's just more of like, yeah, eat some popcorn and shut up and don't think about the rest of it. So I was able to have a bit more fun. I'll give it that. Uh, but I don't I don't think that that's what M. Night is best at. I don't think that he has to sacrifice those things in order to deliver a thrilling and, uh, uh, you know, bonkers ride. I think he has been able to do both. Uh, for me, though, this is, uh, it's better, but still not great. Uh, just a two and a half out of five sandcastles. I will say four is nuts to me. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, again, uh, three and a half is like typically my standard hot mess uh, uh, rating. Uh, but uh, I did just uh, I get a little bit more fun out of this one. I definitely uh, I felt a little more so, you know, I, it four is not like, you know, it's not it's not like the super crazy, but like. You know. It's crazy how much you, you higher did. it is than what you gave Tar on Letterbox. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, because that movie, that movie bored me. I'm sorry, and I did want to uh, redact. I said three and a half in uh, last episode. Signs is also a four. I want to okay. uh, also redact my signs rating up. Um, but let's go ahead and see what other movies we were thinking about while we were talking about old. Alrighty, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes by playing a game uh, called Movie Math. Uh, the rules are pretty simple. You just have to take some movies that remind you of the film that we talked about today and just put it into an equation. Uh, you can multiply, subtract, divide, uh, take it to the power of whatever you want to do. Uh, so, Miguel, what is in your movie equation? Sure. Uh, when, when you told me about this, uh, I I thought of, um, like, what, what comps did... Uh, did M. Night Shyamalan use when he pitched this? Mm -hmm. And I was like, if, if he had to pitch it, what would he, mm -hmm. what would he use? Mm -hmm. And like, uh, and I wrote this before the show and I, and, <laughs> and you guys used one of them, but I said picnic at hanging rock meets, uh, George Romero's amusement park. 
Oh, nice. If you guys have seen that. Fuck yeah. I thought that was fun. That's a good pull. That is a very good and, pull. Uh, I, and, then, and then I have another one that I just put those in parentheses, where it's mm-hmm. Picnic and Hanging Rock in parentheses with Amusement Park, mm-hmm. close parentheses, Times Cabin in the Woods. There we go. That was uh, one I almost threw in my equation, actually, was uh, the Cabin in the Woods with uh, kind of, you know, people behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and amuse- uh, Amusement Park is, for those who haven't seen it, uh, it was kind of lost for years and then was unearthed, and I believe it's still it's uh, now on Shudder. Uh, but it's funny. I totally forgot about that movie, but it's it's so, so good. But Devon, is, it's funny. At the top of this, you were like, oh, if this came out in the 70s, it'd be a masterpiece. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, it did. <laughs> George Romero made it. It's really good. It's called Amusement Park. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to have to watch that one. It is on Shudder, so I'm going to have to check that one out. Uh, for mine, I have um, in some parentheses going on, um, I have uh, The Ruins as far as a, you know, single location thriller. We got a lot of body horror going on and, uh, you know, these characters just trying to make sense of uh, this, uh, you know, natural phenomenon that's, uh, you know, happening around them. Um, and But The Ruins fucking rips, y'all, and it is mean, it is brutal, it is mm-hmm. gross, um, and and it is just the ultimate vacation gone wrong film. So definitely uh, check that one out. Uh, we also did an episode on the ruins, so you can go back and listen to it. And I have that added with a cure for wellness. Um, again, like kind of exploring, you know, the the, the fears of the processes within your body, and um, you know the the you know pharma trying to figure it out, and you know, and cure for wellness is what if big pharma was a cult ran by like uh i can't even remember the crazy ending for that movie i need to rewatch it but it also looks really gorgeous um it has uh, some really great direction to it by gore verbinski um so i have those add together in parentheses and uh instead of multiplied uh i have it raised uh to the power of twilight zone um, because i don't really have a specific twilight zone episode to kind of multiply it with to get a more accurate vibe uh, so I'm putting the Twilight Zone as an exponent to like kind of be like you know some some uh, some some definite uh, f- uh, vibes in there. Uh, I it's been a while since I've rewatched A Cure for Wellness, but from memory that movie is like the cinematic equivalent of like somebody doing like a slam dunk and they jump on the trampoline and they're like you know and then they fall straight on their face. Like I really really like that movie, but that ending is yeah, something the, else. <laughs> yeah, the third third act is it, it definitely uh, takes it down quite a bit. It is tough. Yeah, I'm uh, in a similar kind of camp as you guys. Uh, I have in parentheses, I have Castaway, uh, just for the, the reasons that you think it is. You know, somebody's on a beach, and how are they going to survive? Um, adding that, and and my little flavor of the horrors of getting older is Wild Strawberries, uh, the Ingmar Bergman film uh, from 1957. Uh, that movie is creepy and scary in its own way in a, in a few scenes. I, I If you guys haven't seen the movie, I think that's like my go-to answer as far as like how to do dreams and nightmares in movies uh, there's a nightmare sequence in that film that is like super chilling uh, so I have those uh, added together and that I've got it multiplied by the wicker man purely for vibes like I think that wicker man is also like an unintentionally really funny movie oh you're talking 2006 wicker man oh yeah oh yeah uh like a really unintentionally funny movie to where you know people are just giving these nuts over the top performances uh that is like fun in its own way like not particularly like a good movie uh but it is one that you're just like i can't not watch this this is this is absolutely bonkers which i think old certainly is and another movie that I just 
cackle the entire time through. Uh, so good. It, it, so it, good. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely uh, definitely there. So uh, definitely can see all of this. And, uh, oh, I also had a funny story about Castaway. Uh, I remember watching it when I was like, I don't know, eight. And it is totally a horror movie. It made me like sob. And I have not watched <laughs> Castaway since. Oh, you got to watch Castaway, I've been man. too for scared. Some, I've been too scared. For some reason, tell you a little bit, uh, a peek behind the curtain. My sister, that was like a comfort watch for her when she was younger. How fucking weird is that, right? Like she really, she found that movie like really comforting to watch. It was like a favorite, like childhood staple of hers for some fucking weird uh, reason, you know? Yeah, we all we all have our uh, uh, weird comfort horror movies. I mean, 2013 <laughs> Evil Dead is mine. So uh, definitely all got some weird uh, comfort horror films out there. Um, so go ahead and check some of those out. But uh, Miguel, thank you so much for swinging in and uh, spend thank some you. time on the beach that makes you old with us. Um, where can the people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Macab Martinez uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow our Kickstarter, it's at Lechusa Film, L-E-C-H-U-Z-A on Instagram. And we try to post every day and behind the scenes stuff and really cool. We're going to have more uh, actual like stuff of us filming it. So that's going to be fun. Yes. Awesome. Support your independent filmmakers, guys, and uh, follow the progress on his film. Um, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Uh, not too much. Uh, if you want to subscribe to my other podcast, you can do so by uh, subscribing to my uh, Star Wars podcast called Scum and Villainy. I love you guys. Have you? I love to have you guys on over there. If you want to just see some other odds and ends movie stuff, uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd, uh, Twitter, and TikTok at Garrett McDowell. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. Same with letterbox and make sure you are following um us on tiktok at specter cinema trying to post more clips and uh we'll be sharing some other like videos on there here soon so uh, just go check us out over there but now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the specter cinema club new episodes drop every tuesday subscribe to not miss a thing you can follow us on social media at specter cinema on twitter instagram and tiktok and if you're listening on spotify or apple Podcasts, leave us five stars a nice little review we appreciate you but until next time guys stay lifted <laughs>